Well, welcome to episode six of the Good Life series, uh, which is Good Life You. And that's all about our work with our direct support heroes and how we can make uh, life better for our direct support staff, but make it affordable for the providers that make all this possible too. So now uh, you get this where you get all your podcasts. So I'll be there waiting for you. And if you don't know where that is, email Megan and that's up there on the screen and you'll get that. And so we'll get it to you one way or the other. Uh, but uh, there are two series out there, the never ending quest for the good life, which is completed. And it's about, uh, it really touches on our next generation of service models uh, that I'm interested to get your feedback on. And then we got the current series, which is Good Life You. I just want to start though. This is uh, for those that, that, that need to know a date stamp on this. This is uh, August of, of uh, 2021. And, and, you know, we have just been getting calls from across the country and, and, and frankly, our home city of Kansas too, uh, that are having such challenges in direct support. And I just want to, you know, take a moment and tell you how much, you know, we understand uh, this, you know, COVID was a, uh, which we're still in, but the first year of COVID 2020 was an incredibly challenging year. Uh, and, and we were, had a workforce crisis before that, and we experienced a greater one in that. And I think everybody was hoping that as the cloud of COVID was, you know, starting to lift in many ways, it would get better. But the truth is, it actually got worse. Uh, and, and I'm getting reports now. I mean, I, I just heard from a provider in Kansas uh, who's about a $25 million annual budget. They got about 350 staff they literally have 140 vacant staff positions. I mean, it's just, it's, it's heart-wrenching to know that it's that challenging. And, you know, as setting sizes get smaller, how do you even deliver staff at all? And so uh, there's just so many stories like that. And I can tell you, um, you know, um, from a workforce perspective, um, the way we approach it is everything we do is gaining little inches uh, and those inches become yards and the yards become miles. And then pretty soon it makes a huge meaningful difference in people's lives. But every journey starts with that first step. And with respect to that, um, this is a series. Okay. And this is episode six of the series. And I'm going to speak directly to you CEOs out there. That means there's order. Okay. You got to follow things in order when you can. Uh, and I'm okay with you guys doing it at double speed. I know how that works, but you know, when it gets to an important point, I want you to slow it down to 0.5 so you can really get in and unpack it because everything we do and everything we talk about can be important for somebody. Uh, and I can't tell you who that is, but I know everything has meaning and purpose. And if you look at it collectively, it can make a big, it can make a big difference. So uh, we're going to work really hard today on really two topics and it's pretty they're pretty brief um last week we talked about premium pay which is an awesome episode and i'm really excited about that go back and watch it if you haven't seen the episode on the front back half of workforce you got to watch that too because that's important even for today's conversation so please do um, so today we're going to talk about two specific topics pretty short one's called paid time off you all should know what that is and the other one is about payday and that its role, which I think some people 
uh, are a little bit surprised about. So let's start with paid time off. You know, paid time off for managers is pretty simple. Managers get so many days off, sick days, you know, uh, vacation, holidays, personal days. The deal about managers generally is when they take time off, you know, we don't need to, we don't even, we don't need to replace them. It doesn't really cost us when they take time off. They just take time off and we pay them as if they're here, but it doesn't cost us to replace them. We don't have to replace them, right? Well, here's the difference with direct support. If direct support are used to deliver required ratios and care, of course, not only do we have to pay the direct support staff for taking time off, right? We have to replace, we have to replace them and pay for them. And so the more time we give off for direct support staff, which I'm not going to complain about, it's necessary, the more we have to replace them. And the thing is, when you replace them, two things happen. One, you're spending money for replacing them, number one. And number two, from the client's perspective, there's more different people involved in care. And when there's more different people involved in care, the research is very, very clear. The care gets worse. Uh, and that is especially true in smaller homes that we all want to have, which are, which are you know, smaller and smaller, where you may have two people living together with one staff there because every new person is like 100% turnover for that moment uh, and for that time because they may not know the clients and they may not be able to help them and there's nobody there to help them, so uh, to, to help the, the staff that's new, as I said, inside. So paid time off is, is, is important. It's all about life balance and flexibility, but at the same time, it's different for managers than it is direct support. But I will tell you this, a lot of people that we work with, a lot of the companies we work with don't see the distinction between that. And so the systems are very similar between direct support staff and for, uh, for uh, administrators and managers and, and the such. So, uh, you know, and in terms of numbers, it's very interesting. We see, wide ranges of paid time off. Uh, normally, it, it, somebody, even first year direct support staff, you, you get one or two weeks off. I've seen one and I've seen two. Uh, I've seen a week of, uh, traditionally, uh, lots of times a week of sick pay, uh, or that's factored into the pay time off. A couple of days, personal days on thrown in there, and then eight, even 10 holidays uh, are thrown in there. So. I've seen this range from a low of 24 days off for a direct support staff to a high of about 40 or 42 days off, believe it or not. But that's more common than you might think in our industry. Now, that's a bit self-inflicted because that means 42 days we're gonna have to replace staff. So people who are in staffing crises, including now, uh, have that to deal with. So they're not just delivering the, you know, the, the pay, they're delivering the replacement and the replacement isn't there, which means that you're really not delivering the days off either, right? So it, it's a weird deal. You know, you, you put, give them to them, but then you kind of take them back because they got to work anyway. And all of a sudden these things accrue and you got to figure out how do I deal with all this huge accrual uh, and you CFOs know what I'm talking about with all of that. So the goals of this, I think it's time that you rise up, you know, 500 feet and say, okay, what's the goal? The, the goal of, of PTOs is to provide work-life balance, right? It's time to recuperate and rejuvenate and, and flexibility for all the non-work activities that you have to do. You know, your school, your own school or your kid's school and 
doctor's appointments and and vacations and and just you know because you want to go fishing that day or because you want to see somebody that came in town you want that flexibility and you need to have time off to recuperate but in the direct force in industry too those people are often having second jobs and that second job may be going to school but lots of times second jobs i, I believe the data is somewhere close to 40 percent of direct support staff who work full-time have another job and that's sad that that's the case but it's the truth um, so what you really need to look at is how how do you give that life balance how do you give these opportunities to rejuvenate and and don't get that that get caught up in your pto thing completely because it differs by the number of days that you work in a week and this is what people don't understand so let's take a typical five-day work week because i will tell you this the number one shift strategy we see when we work nationally with providers is the five-day work week i think you guys are hearing on the news how popular four-day work weeks are now becoming post-covid and you know you have to you know to, to lead the market because if you're if you're not you know keeping up with the joneses here uh, you don't have the greatest work schedule sometimes and you don't have the greatest pay but if you're not delivering other kinds of things that you can deliver then you're at the back of the line uh, for, for people and jobs and those sort of things. So right now, the number one strategy for delivering care is a five-day work week nationally. I don't want to go into that because I've covered it in other episodes. It's not the one you want to do, uh, but it is a necessary component of our service deliveries, but you don't have to do it exclusively. But with a five-day work week, and I'm going to talk to you about a five, four, and three-day work week, just for fun. You know, our model is based upon the three or four-day work week front back half model, and that's covered in another episode. But let's take five days. Organically and without PTOs in a five-day work week, 52 weeks a year, you will work 260 days. That's what you work. And you're off 104 days. And, you know, I always tell you every episode, it's just math, right? In a three-day work week, on the other end of that, you will work 12 days a month. You will be off 16 days a month. In a year, you will be off 208 days organically before you deliver one PTO day. That's a really important thing. Now, even in a four-day work week, you work 208 days and you're off 156 without PTOs. So let's kind of do a comparison here. Let's take a five-day work week with 104 days off organically, and let's add that super generous 40 days of PTO to it, which is super generous. That, by the way, you have to replace with people that don't normally work in that home and deliver whatever care that they can give them. So let's give them the 40 days off, and that would mean that you would work 220 days and have 144 days off. So 144. This is 64 days fewer days off than a three-day work week with no PTOs. And it's 12 days fewer than a four-day work week with no PTOs. None. Now, I'm not saying to, give, to, to not give PTOs, but I'm just telling you, before you even start 
the most that you're ever going to give somebody is is 64 fewer days off than a three-day work week. That's it. after you give, you know, a full month of time off. That's pretty significant when you think about that. So what does that mean? That means that you're spending somewhere between 70 cents and a dollar based upon the current pay for DSPs. You're spending 70 cents to a little over a dollar. If you get in the East Coast, probably up to a dollar 20, 25. You're spending that for PTO days that really doesn't really affect the hourly wage of the person that you're trying to support. So, and if you'd use a three-day work week and you had different days off and you did it differently, you might be able to pay a dollar or more an hour more just on that dimension alone and they would still have more days off, right? So the interesting thing about it, three day work, the five day work week, three day, and I just don't want to beat this in, 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 into the dirt, but, but in a five day work week, normally that's an eight hour a day, right? Well, the only thing they can do is pick up more days. Well, if you really believe in work-life balance, you do believe that you should have at least two days off a week, right? So if you're, they're working extra or another job, they are having zero days off, right? Now, you could have them pick up extra time by working an additional shift, but that's a 16-hour day. And I can tell you in our research, they don't do that. What they do is they say, well, I can work a couple hours longer, or I can work maybe four hours longer, usually half, half a shift. Well, that's great, but what do you do with the other half? Well, I'll tell you what you do with the other half. What you do with the other half is a manager works or even an additional person comes in uh, that you that the client doesn't know or sometimes you work short. So the five-day work week doesn't have a really good way of working extra without taking away from their rejuvenation days, right? And if they have part-time, which 40% do, they're working seven days a week, right? Or they're working against your schedule, and so they're doing ex excessive call-offs, which is what we found, when the schedules don't match up. So all of this is saying that working fewer days can generate more time off organically, and that can be traded for more pay. Now, I'm a big fan of some P some PTOs, but let's when you're looking at a a when you're looking at four-day, or let's say a three-day work week, which is one that we promote, and you got 16 days off. So you're working 12 and you're off 16. So they've got plenty of days off. What we allow is organic trading. So we have electronic trading where the front and the back half can trade with each other in a home almost without permission, basically because you're not adding to the number of people involved in care. If the front half is trading with the back half in a home, Basically, you're just trading the days that you work, and it doesn't really affect the number of people involved in care, and it's, that's, that's preferred. But we also allow for it across homes, too, but that's always with permission because, you know, we have to make sure that, that it doesn't result in an excessive number of people involved in, in care or the wrong people uh, with the wrong training being used in the wrong homes and things like that. So trading allows flexibility. So if you take... A 16 days off to begin with, you now have 16 places that you can trade with other staff 
to rearrange your time off, right? That's a lot of time. So you can have an unlimited flexibility around work and around school and around other kinds of things that come up that's, you know, sort of ebbs and flows in somebody's life. And it still allows them to work their 12 days in a month very well. And if you combine this with the premium pay strategy we talked about last week, you can recognize they can work more in one week and less in another week, and they're still going to end up with the same amount of money on, depending on how you pay and how you do that. So go back if you don't know the answer to that question. So I just want to emphasize that maybe a better approach for, for providing services is fewer days in the work week. Going to three is an eye recommendation. You know, the world is moving from five to four. If you stay at five, you're going to be at the back, back of the line. But if you get to three, you know, it does a lot of things. You can actually recruit people from farther distance. You know, it, it improves the pipeline of, of people. It, it reduces the number of transitions in a day. You can deliver day services without walls. There's just so many different things that you can do. Again, in past episodes, you can find that out. But you can even work four days and accomplish the same sorts of things. So I would tell you that generally that that a four day or three day work week will provide enough life balance without an excessive number of additional PTOs. Normally, what I'm thinking is that you would give, you know, the the eight holidays that they can define themselves uh, and, and probably four more days beyond that, which basically is about 12 days off is what would be a reasonable number of days, given the fact that you already give them 208 days to begin with. And so that would end up being darn close to twice as many days uh, off as, as, as a five-day work week, or maybe a little bit more than that. So it's a pretty cool system on that. And so all I want to leave you with on the PTOs is make sure that you understand that the PTOs are a function of the number of days that they work a week and that you can turn PTOs into hard cash that you pay people a greater salary and you still can pay them another dollar or so in salary and give them more time off and you give them create more capacity to work extra which if you combine it with premium pay, you know that you can work two more shifts extra without it costing the agency any more money. So instead of having a part-time job someplace else and a full-time job with you, they can have a full-time job with you and work extra with you and you can afford it because of how you do it. And they can work it in with their schedule because it's all syncs together if it's one company, but it doesn't do so well when it's you and somebody else. So enough of PTOs, but I think it's important that you look at that and understand that PTOs are an important thing to focus on if you want to provide life balance, rejuvenation, and pay uh, for the people that, that, that push your mission forward, but in a way that's affordable for the agencies to do so. So that's PTOs. Now, I'm going to shift into one more topic, and it's a short one, uh, very short. But it's equally important, actually very equally important because of the PTO strategy as well. And that's payday. And when I do workshops across the country, our one-on-one workshop, I always ask one question, and it always amazes me, is how often do you pay? And I always get the exact same hours. I'll say, you know, they say every other week, every other week. 
twice, every two weeks. That's what they pay. It's just common. It is what normal programs across the country pay. Now, again, if you're following best practices, paydays are getting shorter and shorter and shorter for hourly people. Down to the point where we have technology out there that make it actually possible to pay daily. Now, I'm not promoting that at this point, but I know what's coming. And there's probably a, a segment of our workforce, including the replacement staff that that, or people who might work weekends, that that might be a really good idea for. But let's just keep it out to the, what you normally pay as a two day or two week, uh, every other week payday. Now, how many times a year is that? Well, that's 26 pay periods a year, right? How many months are there in a year? Well, there's 12. Now I keep going back to this, just math. I want you to go to your direct support staff and ask them about their bills. Ask them, any of them, if they can pay those across 26 even payments. And I guarantee you rent is monthly. Car payments most of the time are monthly. Sometimes it's weekly, uh, but utilities monthly. Everything that we do in our world is paying for things on a monthly basis, right? where you're taking all the money that they're getting for a year and you're dividing it by 26. Well, what that really means is they're getting about 10% less money 10 months of the year and more money two months of the year. Well, that might be fine for the administrators out there because they make enough money to be okay with that. But if you need to maximize the resources that you have to pay your monthly bills, 26 pay periods is a bad idea and it reduces your pay by 10%. You ask the direct support staff, hey, are you okay with the 10% pay cut and I'll just give it to you twice a year if you word it that way? I guarantee you they say, no, I don't want that. I want to get paid as much as I can so I can pay my bills. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is it's probably a really good idea for your direct support staff that you pay at least weekly. With the, the modern payroll systems, uh, it doesn't cost it really any or very little difference. But what it means for your employees is significant. It means that you've maximized the money that you have to give them into units that they can use to pay for their weekly and monthly bills. Because even though there are a few extra uh, 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 weeks in a year, you, there's, you can still pay early or a little bit late across that month in order to maximize your resources on a monthly basis. So the other point I'd like to make is, is P, we've talked about PTOs and we talked about pay. They're both designed to how do we maximize the resources that we have to give in a way that gets to their hourly wage in a ways that gets to their pocketbook so that they can pay their bills. A 10% pay increase on a 10 months of the year is not a bad way to start with that. And I might mention, it's also kind of useful for even administrative staff. Now, there's lots of different feelings on this, but at the end of the day, the reality is lots of administrative staff float across two weeks of work patterns. What that means is they may work a day less in one week, but pick it up however they want to do it the next week. And while that sounds like nice and flexible things, the reality is it ends up driving up your PTO accruals so they don't have to ever use them. 
And so it's important to understand that, yeah, you're making that decision and you can if that's how you if, if that's how you want to do it. But but that a flexibility can be looked at as a benefit, but it also can be looked at as a significant liability that, in fact, could be turned into wages as well. So we'll end with that point. What's good for the goose may be good for the gander. Um, at the end of this, I will tell you, uh, we're making our way through all of these topics, but this is the one today, which is uh, PTOs and payday. And next time, uh, we're going to talk about live with, live by, and live near staffing strategies and how they're used. And probably the next episode after that is how do you pay them? Because there's different ways to pay them. I might be able to squeeze that in the same episode, but if not, it's going to be across two. I hope to get it in one. So hope everything's going well for you. Hang in there, Provider Nation. We're going to get through this together, and we'll see you at the next time.